When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content. If you like the shows, leave a five-star review and a rating to help other people find us. We've still got all the series-by-series updates and bleacher banter that you love, but a little bit more now with Sun Ranto, Cubs Pod, and some other content. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs' hot starts for Bleed Cubby Blue, or maybe we should say the hot starts that cooled off in Miami at this point. (laughs) And as always, I am thrilled to be joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? It is going. uh, You know, it's uh, kind of a little bit of a gray Monday, gray rainy Monday here in Chicago, which I think matches the mood of most Cubs fans after this pretty disappointing weekend <laughs> of getting swept by the Marlins. And um, yeah, I just when I like was starting to get a little bit optimistic about this team. And I was like, Hey, maybe, maybe they could do some interesting things. And like, I don't know. They took two of three from the Padres and they, they looked okay against the Dodgers. Won one series, lost one series, and they won the games they were supposed to against the athletics. Nope. Nope. They go to Miami and they look bad uh, in many ways. We'll get into all of them, but you know, it was, it's just not a very good Marlins team to start with. And so I don't know that combined with the 47,000 Bartman references, which as Friends of the show, Adam Amawala and uh, Kevin McCaffrey pointed out on Twitter, it's not even the right stadium or the right foul line. You have to wait till next weekend to do those references. I mean, I was over it real fast, Danny. Yeah, it kind of sounds like me at Wrigley Fields every time a ball's hit down the right or left field line, to be honest, because I know people are pretty sensitive and he wants to be left alone and stuff, but it is part of baseball history. It's a part of baseball lore. It's annoying that it happened to us. It was very disappointing in the moment. Uh, I understand that Steve Bartman does not want to be talked about or, but you know, a lot of people kind of have that kind of fate in their life sometimes. And I know I'm not helping anything by talking about it right now. And the Marlins (laughs) and the Marlins certainly don't help anything by going on about it, but it's part of their history and their lore. And Lord knows in 2016, I saw a lot of guys walking around in green turtlenecks with headphones on, you know, 
<laughs> to troll us. And I mean, <laughs> it's just one of those things that we're never, ever going to get rid of. No, that's true. And we're going to get to hear all about it again this next weekend when the Marlins come to Chicago. So there's something to look forward to. I think I might go to these games specifically so I don't have to hear the broadcast talk about it. Um, the After the sweep, the Cubs are 14 and 13. They are barely over 500. Uh, their Pythag playoff odds are down to 53%. They're down to 21.1% on fan graphs, lower than the Pirates, man. The Pirates have just been on fire. I don't even know what to say about that. Let's just jump right into each of these games. Uh, game one, they were winning. Michael Fulmer looked good in the eighth. The Cubs had a 3-2 lead. And then Michael Rucker came in and gave up a single hit two guys and gave up a walk-off without recording an out. I cannot. Yeah, that was rough. I mean, I mean, they must have not had anybody else to come out and work. I mean, we've been using the bullpen a lot, especially since Tyone's been out. Um, it's more than you maybe you'd like to use the bullpen. And hey, let's face it, this bullpen, we don't even know. Like we went into this season thinking like, is this bullpen good? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like I still don't know. Guys. Yeah. And I, th and I don't think it, we knew that we didn't have a big gun at the back end. We knew this, you know, it, you had people with a lot of experience. It's the same as the position players, you know, two wins, decent arms, people who have experience, they can go, you know, but then Ruck, uh, uh, Fulmer has been completely ineffective in the ninth inning. They give it to Boxberger. He's hit and miss like, you know, it, he's got a three something ERA, but, that's because in some of his outings, he gave up a fair amount of runs. And then the other ones, he didn't give up any. So you get a three. You know, that's just how it, <laughs> it rolls. Nobody is lights out. Nobody's going up there and blowing it past you. Um, they're all throwing the, I mean, they're all solid arms. Rucker too. Like, I'm not going to, he's just out of position. He shouldn't be in a close game like that trying to, but they didn't have anybody else. You know, you're throwing everybody every day. This is when the season starts getting rolling. And um, they've got to make some improvements in the pen like that much is because you're not going to win these one run games against pesky teams like the Marlins. And they are pesky. They are pesky. They're very pesky. Their whole team of second baseman. It's kind of wild. Um, the guys that the Cubs used out of their pen in this game included Mark Leiter, Michael Fulmer and Michael Rucker. I guess I would have liked to see maybe what an Adbert Alzali could have done with that ninth inning spot. I know that Brandon Hughes is on the IL. I don't remember if he went on the IL before or after this game. I think he might have gone on the IL to make room for Caleb Killian. But um, I, it is, you're exactly right. It is frustrating that they don't have anyone to slide into that ninth inning role. And I'm just going to suggest that Michael Rucker isn't it. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty terrible outing for him. Um yeah, it's just it, it's like it's a thing I've been seeing on Twitter is, is like every time that they play Madrigal or start Madrigal or you or D.H. Rios, even though he never plays. And we finally got to see him the other day, but uh, or or bring this guy out, Rucker or or bring out Merriweather or somebody like that. Everybody gets all mad. Like, how can you put this guy out there? It's like because he's on the freaking team. That's what you have a problem with is the fact that we have mediocre players on the team and not, and Ross has got to use who he's got to use because on, I mean, yeah, maybe uh, you do throw somebody like Alzali. He did not pitch the day before I'm looking at right 
right here. That was former lighter Thompson and Boxberger on the last game against the Padres. So you just like throwing a bunch of those guys out there again. Um, yeah. I mean, you got I the just, guys you got. I would just rather see Alzali in the ninth than Rucker. I think that that's where I'm at right now. And I'm not even saying Alzali would be good in the ninth. He might struggle too. But of the guys who could theoretically throw the ninth, <laughs> I feel like it should go something like, well, Fulmer has proven he can't. So maybe it goes something like Boxberger, Keegan Thompson, Alzali, maybe later. <laughs> it's all the it's all the matchups like David Ross and his little freaking iPad think that, that that it spits out the numbers of what's supposed to happen and you're playing the odds of what yeah, well. you think because Alzali's got the you know they pull him because there's a freaking lefty up you know he's like oh he's oh he struck out the side last inning. Uh, oh, he gave up a, a weak single. Oh, better go get him, you know? And it doesn't make sense because he's on. The The iPad doesn't know about whether a guy's on that day or not. Like, it just doesn't know. So I feel like we get these decisions made by the front office, basically, the run prevention coordinators or something, you know? Like, they're the oh, ones wow. who are telling you what to do. Hey, if it's late in the game, you got to switch this guy off for this guy just because the numbers say that's what should happen. Well, guess what? Now the numbers are new. You got new numbers, and now the numbers will say it shouldn't have happened because you've got negative numbers in there now. The run prevention coordinators need to update their database. Let's talk about the yeah. second game, which ended as bad as the first one. Wait, which started as bad as the first one ended. Caleb Killian, man, I want things to work out for this kid. I would love nothing more than for one of the players that the Cubs got back for Chris Bryant to be a stud pitcher. And also, he did not have it. And, and he did not have it in ways that were kind of notable to me. So, like, he started out fine. He was throwing in and around the strike zone. There were a couple of hits that just didn't go his way. Like, there was a call that got overturned. There was a ball that was just out of the reach of, I think it was Hosmer. It might've been Mancini. I can't remember who was jumping for that ball, um, but just out of the, out of reach, like off the glove type of thing. And then he all of a sudden is wild and he is wild to an extent where, I mean, he's throwing up over the head of Segura. He's throwing, he's like practically hitting people on the other side. I mean, his pitch spray chart on baseball savant goes from being clustered around the strike zone to just being this spread <laughs> that goes off so on Jackson, every side. Jackson Pollock painting all of a it sudden. It was a Jackson Pollock <laughs> painting man. And like for, for starters, he winds up throwing about 50 pitches in the first inning. I was, I was honestly stunned. He got out of it. I was doubly stunned that he came out for two more innings. He kind of did get it together after that, but I feel as though what's going on with Killian is half physical, like he's having problems locating the baseball, and half mental, like what the second he starts not locating the baseball, he thinks about it too much, and all of a sudden it just goes all the way off the rails. And yeah. that's just not a good place to be, and certainly not a good place to be when you're making like your third or fourth start of your career. Yeah, and it's what happened last year too. It is, which, yeah. Which is blowing up super early and I mean, a lost in all that nonsense was two strikeouts in that inning. <laughs> so it's just, but probably just because it's the guys that swing at everything and it was everywhere. But yeah, that was rough. Wild pitches, walks, just all over the place. And I think it's even more mental. I think the mental is affecting the physical that he just it gets tight in the major leagues. And I, I don't know, was he seemed to be doing all right in the minors. 
So it it's just maybe something in his brain, like I have to work harder because these are guys I've I've heard of and watched on TV, and you know, just the heart rate is going, and you give yourself the yips, and it's it's heartbreaking. So he turned purple. He was yeah. literally the color purple out there, and um, just sweaty. And I mean, you you know that's not that. I'm working hard sweat. It's that cold, fearful sweat that runs down your back. You know, that's the sweat that he was experiencing. And that was heartbreaking. And you're right. He did get it together. I mean, kind of. I mean, he was out of there by the in the third or no, the fourth. They removed him. Um, He did. He got an out that they wanted him to get. And he got it. And then you had to come and get him. But then you're playing even with a shorter bullpen now. Yeah, it, it was not great. I mean, kudos to the Cubs for chipping away here and really coming back. I When they were down 5 nothing in the first, I just kind of thought this game was over. And they almost pulled out a comeback here. It was They scored six runs. The Marlins scored a couple more. They wound up losing 7-6. to six. But this had a really different feel than the one-run game before because they it just felt like they were kind of – they dug such a big hole um, in that first inning that they couldn't get out of. Yeah, well, I mean, the risky, it was a risky situation out there. They left the bases loaded um, a couple of times. And well, then you had the Hosmer toot plan, which the, was like, buddy, if you, okay, I, sorry to interrupt you, Danny. No, Eric Hosmer is hanging by a thread in this roster because Matt Mervis is in Iowa doing Matt Mervis things and is ready to take that job immediately. He should have taken it two weeks ago. So for Hosmer to be making outs on the base pass when you are down a crooked number is unacceptable, in my opinion. And it was pretty unacceptable to the Cubs, too, because they waited until his spot was up in the order the next time and pinch hit with Nelson Velasquez, which, by the way, when you've got Nelson Velasquez on your bench and his slugging is over a thousand, not his OPS, just his slugging, he should probably be your DH anyway. Why is Hosmer even in the lineup as the designated hitter to begin with? Yeah, they're not playing him, and it's it's pretty ridiculous because he's he's like half of his hits are home runs, and he's batting like five hundred, and they're like, and and I understand he's not going to bat five hundred and hit uh, what he's on pace for, which is like eighty five homers or something like that. I I understand that, but uh, you know the, and maybe it's the righty lefty thing, maybe it's the rookie veteran thing. I don't really care what it is, but the fact is, Eric Hosmer hits the ball really hard into the ground that's what he does and you know is he benefiting from the shift new shift rule probably you know great he can do certain things I don't think Eric Hosmer is like even a bad ball player in fact like if something else were to like I would say what if they kept um Hosmer brought up Mervis and got rid of Rios like that would be fine with me you know like that if you love Eric Cosmer so much, but yeah, this situation when you're supposed to be Mr. Veteran and you get caught out there between second and third base trying to advance, and that ball is to the more the warning track. But you know, you were dead to rights at third, dude. Like, no wonder I, there's a reason you re, you ran back. You were either gonna be out at third or, or, or out at second, but then you put I don't know who's standing behind him, probably Mancini or something. He's he had to run back too. Because he was on his way to second, tagging as well. Yeah, that was just a disaster. I mean, it was it was a comedy of errors in terms of what needed to happen when you got a little bit of a rally going. Maybe if that, that out doesn't get made, the next guy comes up and gets a hit, right? And you all of a sudden, you're back in the game. I just, I found that 
mind-bogglingly ridiculous. It was such a lapse. And it was a lapse for like, look, I, the season is long. It's 162 games. There are going to be moments where you're not playing at your best. And also, if you are the guy who is clinging to your job by a thread, perhaps don't make those mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, that that really stunk. That really, I mean, that was in the fifth inning. That's right. You had a rally going, you know, you could have, then it's like seven to five. I mean, when you come up this short, when you're trying to, uh, to like nick away at a, at such a deficit, you just can't be doing stupid things like that. I thought I was hoping we had cleaned that stuff up. Some of the defense too was a little bit um, iffy in this uh, overall series. I forget which game it was, but like Gomes had a pass ball that was yesterday with steel. And then Hosmer wasn't backing up the play too. Like, and, and I don't know. Gomes was kind of lackadaisical. Steel wasn't ready to come down. Like, I'm like, I thought we cleaned this stuff up because this is some last year crap. It really did look like a sloppy series. And uh, before we move on to game three, I just want to say Adbert, uh, Jeremiah Estrada and Julian Merriweather looked great in relief of Caleb Killian in that game, like, honestly, I really thought that the Cubs had a shot to pull that comeback off. And that's part of why the Hosmer to plan is so frustrating in that situation. Um, game three, Justin Steele came back to earth a bit, but it was still a quality start. Like you can't really complain when your starter gives you a quality start. Um, and the Cubs just continued to fail to convert with runners in scoring position. Every time I looked up in the series, the Cubs had the bases loaded with like no outs or one out. And they just did not score, guys. It was, I think that at one point in yesterday's game, we're recording on Monday, I think that at one point in yesterday's game, they said that the Cubs had left like 21 men on base. And that was before they did it again. So I'm sure it was higher than that for the series. Like, it was just an unbelievable of men left on base. Unbelievable number of men left on base for the series. Yeah, and Suzuki was in three double plays in the series. That kind of hurts it when you're, and then that one was a sacrifice fly slash double play. Like, even the when Hosmer got caught off, they scored a run on that play, you know, so they would get one run or something like that. But it was never what it should have been, which was, you know, somebody needed to come up with a big hit and it never happened. Somebody needed a freaking bases clearing double at some point in this game or a three run homer and it never happened. And I don't know why we stink so bad in Miami, too. Like we the Miami flu, like how they have the Vegas flu. I mean, I think you just answered your own question when you compared Miami and Las Vegas right there, Danny. I, that may that may have answered the whole thing right there. I, I want to – we already talked a little bit about uh, Matt Mervis, who continues to rake in Iowa. The other guy who is just putting on a show in Iowa right now is Christopher Morrell, who, while the Cubs were struggling to convert runners, put up a seven RBI game, including a home run and two doubles uh, on as the I-Cubs were en route to an 18-2 victory over the Louisville bats. And I just, what are we, I, I do not understand why I'm watching a team that has Edwin Rios and Eric Hosmer on it when Christopher Morrell and Matt Mervis are so clearly ready. Like what, what possible, you know, Jed Hoyer gives these opaque answers about, well, we don't want to upset team dynamics and da, 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 da. And they'll, when they're ready, we'll, I'm like, what are you waiting for? Christopher Morell is on fire. And so is Matt Mervis. Your team is losing one run games against Miami. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing to me how many fans are kind of carrying water for front office in that way, being like, like what be patient. Don't rock the boat. And I'm like, okay, right now they're a 500 ball club. That is a, you had a 500 April. You won the last day of March. So you have, 
that's so, but that's a 500 month. And that's what we thought they were. And guess what? That's not good enough to make the playoffs. Period. End of story. So why, why are we messing around then? If, if you're like, oh, we need to wait for, wait for what? Wait for, I, I, what, some mediocre veteran won't sign with the Cubs in the future because Eric Hosmer has feelings? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. They're there to play baseball and hang on for another season in the sun and get paid as much as possible before it's all over. It is a finite career. That's all they're doing. That's all the players ever are doing. So it, it kind of it drives me absolutely wild that you're not going to, like Wally Pip, these guys with somebody better who's obviously, and it was obvious in spring training. That's what's driving me nuts. Christopher Morrell led the team in home runs. And they're like, no, he strikes out too much. I don't care how you're getting out. <laughs> <laughs> I know? mean, I do care a little bit that his strikeout I did. I did. rate yeah. was over 30% last season. And but he does seem to be correcting that a bit in AAA. I think the bigger problem for me with Morrell is that he's so clearly playing above the level in AAA. Like I don't know what he could be learning, right? Like the things that Christopher Morrell needs to work on are his approach against major league caliber breaking and off-speed pitches, period, the end. He can hit a fastball. He can hit it a long way. He can run and throw with the best of them. He is not seeing the types of pitches that he needs to work on in AAA, right? So it, it's just you're wasting somebody's 23-year-old experience when if he, you know what, like, yes, he can improve his strikeout rate at AAA and it won't mean anything for when he gets to the majors because the thing he was struggling with was really good breaking and off-speed stuff at the major league level. So you have to let him see that and work his way through it. And what better time than when you are on the cusp of competition, right? Like what better time is there to let Christopher Morrell work that out than now when you're a 500 team, maybe a little bit more, and then he figures it out for when you're supposed to contend next season, in my opinion. That's how I would make this decision. And it wouldn't be particularly hard because I just don't understand. Nick Madrigal's not part of the next great Cubs team. The only reason he's out there playing third on occasion is so you can trade him at some point and get something back. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, it's just really frustrating. I know that they just have some plan. It's this master plan and there will be a reassessment of this team. I mean, it already happened with letting go of Torrens uh, because they decided they didn't need a third catcher. And I'm like, yeah, we decided this before the season started. <laughs> I mean, I mean, is Dom Nunez just so terrible that he can't come up and catch a few games like down from triple a um, yeah. Or just like some waiver wire, dude, I don't know. Get John Baker back. He's still got legs. John Baker could, John Baker could totally catch a major league yeah. game. Uh, before we go to a break for our sponsors, I want to talk about some more raking that happened and, and my frustration that Major League Baseball did not do a better job promoting the hell out of the Mexico series, which is one of the coolest things that happened over the weekend. I'm sorry if you missed it because MLB didn't promote it nearly enough. Uh, Rey Mysterio, the luchador in Mexico, like gave luchador masks to all the teams and they were out there like the bullpen for the Padres would walk into the bullpen with their luchador masks on. They were hitting a pinata afterwards. I have never seen so many home runs in a baseball game as I saw in that first game. I swear to God, Danny, every ball that came off a player's bat. If it was in the air, there was like a 50-50 shot that it was going to leave the ballpark and it was not going to be close. These were like 450, 460, 470 foot bombs. And so I have a proposal. 
for Major League Baseball. And and I have reconsidered on my idea that they should expand to Mexico City because honestly, no pitcher would want to play there. They would just rather die probably than than pitch in Mexico City for a whole year. So here's my here's my proposal. I think all of the teams should chip in for stadium maintenance and they should each play three to some number of games in Mexico City each year. It'll be like a rotating cast, right? And they'll all play a Mexico series similar to this NFL in London thing, except every team will do it every single year. All of the batters get the benefit. The pitchers only have to do it like one time maximum during the season. So it won't mess up their numbers too much. We get to watch the dingers, which are epic and amazing. Mexico City gets to have Major League Baseball regularly. And MLB has to market to Latino players and to Mexico City in the same way that it markets to like trying to get us to believe in the A's going to Vegas. I think this is a win, 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 win across the board. And I know they'll never do it because I'm sure there's some like luxury box issue or something. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing that you just said that kind of struck a bell for me is the concept that it should happen every year. And I think it doesn't really make a lot of sense to go to London once and then you're like all right we'll see you in another eight years or something like yeah or or like do the 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 puerto rico thing or, or even to some extent and i know they're doing renovations and stuff like that the field of dreams game you get this thing going you have two of them and then you're just don't do it for three years like is it a thing or not like it's all about consistency but i i love your idea of having constant um baseball down there and constant baseball in puerto rico and like teams going and playing these exhibit, not even exhibitions game games, regular season games in a foreign environment. But is it, it's because it's really high elevation up in, uh, Oh, higher yeah, it's than like, the Rockies. It's like 7,600 feet or something like that, or 7,200 feet. I can't remember. It's super high. Uh, Colorado is like 5,200, yada, yada. It's mile high. Like Denver is a mile high. Right. But so it, it is the elevation. It is also the fact that that stadium was not equipped with like a humidor or anything that would even remotely quell the elevation. So all the things they did to like try to make Colorado play like a regular ballpark haven't been done in Mexico City. But frankly, the other thing I was thinking about with this is that if you had all of the teams bought in, right? So like every team pays, I don't know, $5 million or whatever for their Mexico City dues each year and that goes to stadium maintenance and it goes to like making sure that you promote and yada yada and people get paid and all that jazz but you get the gate like you split the gate you could take some series that is a terrible series for draw reasons in say kansas city right like the i don't know like what's what's a terrible draw kansas, in kansas city, city versus oakland yeah sure like that's a terrible draw right but now you market that game in Mexico City as like a special event. It's the only time that some players are going to play in Mexico City. Like you get them all stoked about like seeing Salvador Perez and MJ Melendez. And, you know, you like really like just rock it, right? Like you make sure that you like pimp out these players and make it just amazing. Like I think that would rule and I think it would be fun. And I think it, Mexico City is an ideal space for baseball. And I am here for this. Yeah, well, anything that draws interest to the sport, because if it let's say you did four, even if you did just four series there a year and like or one a month or something like that. And it's like and it not every team got to do it every year, but 12 teams got to do it or something like that. You know, that would draw interest because you're like, oh, we've got the Mexico series this year. That's awesome. You, you know that it's your team's turn next year and you're planning your trip to Mexico like, you know. 
any of that stuff that you can do, it just draws fans interest to the game, especially if, yeah, if it's like dong fest, you'll absolutely be like, oh, that's going to be wild. All the ball hawks will go to it. You know, you'll have oh like, Me- you'll have Mexican ball hawks and luchador masks, like, you know, coming off the top rope. It would be anything that is entertaining you should do. And it, it it's entertaining as hell. And, but I'll add like Puerto Rico to the list. I don't oh, mind you sure. playing. I don't mind playing in London. Why are you just doing one series? Like, because nobody cares in London. That's why. Be in Mexico, uh, they'll care probably. I mean, baseball is way more popular in Mexico than it is in London. And um, yeah, Puerto Rico, do it there. Dominican Republic, have a series there. Yeah, I think it'd be amazing. I think that it would be a win for teams, a win for players, a win for fans. I don't trust MLB to ever actually do it. Um, but I had a blast watching those games. And honestly, I don't know if you heard this yesterday on yesterday's game. Um, they were talking about how you Darvish was scheduled to pitch game two, and he's watching Joe Musgrove just like give a Homer after Homer after Homer. And he goes to the pitching coach. And he's like, yo, my arm feels, feels a little tight. Not sure I can go tomorrow. <laughs> and, and obviously you Darvish did pitch game two, but he was just kind of like, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I can do this. Yeah, yesterday's game wasn't quite as high scoring, right? No, it wasn't. The game one was the one that was out of control. Game one was the one where the over-under started at 8.5. And by the end of like the first or second inning, it was at 15.5. And by the middle of the sixth, it was at 24.5. <laughs> yeah, there were 10 runs scored still in yesterday's game. Yeah, 16 to 11 was the final in that one. Yeah, that was just wild. 11 home runs in that game. So fun. Well, and the Padres, I mean, you know, that's the perfect team to be playing down there, too. So, And they had a blast. They had a pinata celebration for their wins. I got to watch Matt Carpenter hit the hell out of a pinata. It was great. It's the best thing Matt Carpenter has ever done. Yes, that includes his salsa. Uh, we are going to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we're going to talk about four games against the Nationals in D.C., but first, a quick break. And we're back. So, Danny, here's the thing about this National Series. I sort of feel the same way about this as I feel about the Marlins series. Like on paper, the Cubs should just go in and take three or four of these games and it shouldn't be particularly close. And also the Nationals have recently won a couple of series against some really good teams. They're kind of feeling it right now. Uh, Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray are both pitching really well at the moment. And so this Nationals team is better than the Cubs are going to give them credit for. I this feels like a trap. Like it really feels like the Cubs could go in there and be lucky to just split the series, could lose three out of four or continue their losing ways. I don't know. Pretty nervous about this national series, even though the nationals aren't very good. What about you? Yeah. Well, you need to take the, you need to sweep them to win the road trip now after getting swept and the Washington nationals are a sweepable team. I mean, they're not that they're not good, but like you mentioned, Mackenzie Gore, He's he came from the Padres in in the maybe the Juan Soto trade, I want to say. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, so that's that's I think one of the bigger pieces uh, of that giant haul that the Nationals took. So, like, here's a young pitcher with a lot of talent. And um, yeah, I can. And the Cubs don't have a lot of experience with him. I think they maybe some of them saw him once. And so it <laughs> a lot of times you can see those situations where you get carved up by a guy like that. Um so, well, you know, it, it it doesn't really feel like a trap series to me because it's not like you're coming off of anything good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can't really describe it that way. 
but but you can definitely look at it as a situation where the Nationals are at home. They might be finding their footing just as we come to town as we're losing our footing. So in the same way that we caught the Dodgers really good and we actually won a series in L.A., um, I could see it going bad here. And, you know, they, they've got – I do want to point out they've got Jamer Candelario on this team, so – He's been good too. He's been leading off and he's been really good for this team. Actually, I don't know if he's been leading off. He might be hitting third. Hold, please. I will look up where Jamar Candelario is in the roster while I'll tell you this much. They don't live hit, on the air. They don't hit any home runs. This team is last in home runs. They have only 15 on the entire season. 15. Um, uh, the Rays have hit 61. <laughs> Just. Uh, I was wrong. Candy's been hitting third or third, second, fifth ish. Um, but he's, he's been really good this season. Uh, Alex call is their leadoff hitter. Who's also been really good so far. Yeah. They don't have a ton of power, but I just feel like this nationals team is feeling themselves a bit. Let's get into it a little bit with these probable pitchers. Um, Smiley will tee up against Mackenzie Gore tonight. Hayden Wisniewski versus old friend, Trevor Williams. Tomorrow night, I'm sure we will hear about Trevor Williams' time with the Cubs and how his dad was a Cubs fan 47 million times. Uh, Marcus Stroman versus TBD tomorrow on um, Wednesday. And then TBD, this is the Caleb Killian spot that will not be Caleb Killian. Might be Baruki, which I don't really love, but okay. Well, people are uh, saying versus, ben, Cor- versus Patrick Corbin. People are saying maybe Ben Brown, too. I, that's that feels rushed to me. I, here's the problem. And Danny, do you remember like a month ago when we were talking about how the Cubs had so many number five starters? They had so much starting pitching depth, and all of a sudden, Javier Assad is struggling in AAA, and Adrian Sampson is struggling in AAA, and we just saw what happened to Caleb Killian, and it sort of feels like the Cubs do not have the starting pitching depth yeah. that we thought they had. I would love to see Ben Brown. I would love to see Ben Brown in six months. I, I, you know, I thought that they had a bunch of number fives that maybe could show you something. Um, somebody needs to emerge from that group, though, because um, nobody has yet. But, yeah, it'll be it'll be one of those guys because they're all on the 40 man. Um, ben Brown's on the 40 man, I believe. So he would not have to be added. He is on the 40 man. He had to be added for the rule five draft. He's I mean, I'll one... tell you, I can tell you what the um, I don't even know who this is. Uh, the Rotowire probable pitching grid, which is usually pretty good. That's where we found out that Caleb Killian was getting that start. Is says Nick Neidert. Is this a name that you have heard before? Yeah, I mean, just from spring training. Uh, yeah, I think it's Neidert. Or I mean, who go. knows? The, the announcers might. My not apologies. Have known I mean, not that Boog is right. You know what I mean? I don't know. He might have not known either because, yeah, it could be. Um, I mean, that's that's a boring choice, but sure. I mean, I mean just anything, throw... to, anything to try to win a game, man. I mean, you'd think you'd throw a sod out there. Um, I think you I find the I find the lack of love for Javier Assad and Jeremiah Estrada, for that matter. Jeremiah Estrada did not get into a game until the Cubs were down five runs against the Marlins. And I don't know what Jeremiah Estrada did to upset the apple cart in Chicago, but he's got an electric arm and he should get into baseball games. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Like, they finally get uh, Cody Del Mendo over at Chuggo. He said something about, like, finally dusted off old Estrada or something. Like, like yeah, maybe he just forgot he was on the team. You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Jeremiah's down there? Oh, man, I forgot we called him up. Well, now they got Barucki, who you just mentioned, and he's pitching out of the pen. And he's your only lefty because Hughes is back down. 
So or he was uh, not back down, but hurt, back down, hurt. Um, yeah, this I. team is kind of this team is kind of a mess. I am not going to lie. Um, in terms of the pitchers that the Cubs will see, as we already mentioned, Mackenzie Gore has been pretty good. Trevor Williams has been okay. He's got a 410 ERA. He's one and one with 17 strikeouts. And then Patrick Corbin still making it work with the old slider. Everything else gets absolutely demolished, but the slider does not. He's got a 5.74 ERA and 21 strikeouts across three starts so far. Yeah, not the Patrick Corbin that won the World Series for them, but he's one of the few guys left. Chad Cool's on this team, too, if you remember him from the Pirates. I do remember Chad Cool. Andy had a really great theory that Chad the Cubs should trade for Chad Cool and turn him into a middle reliever, a la Keegan Thompson, and I think that would have been a good idea. Yeah, I mean, he is starting for this team. He's got five starts on the year. Has not gone well, 941. Hopefully he's our TBD. <laughs> uh, let me see what Rotowire says about the Nationals for a second, because they're usually pretty good on this stuff. And that's where I go to whenever there's a TBD. It looks like they they think um, that start is Corey Abbott, uh, old friend Corey Abbott, mm. who used to be with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. And yeah, they got a bunch of guys from uh, from other teams right now. You know who else they have? Carl Edwards Jr. They do. And, and he he has been used in some safe situations recently. Yeah, well, he's got only one. Kyle Finnegan is there, got five saves. Um, and uh, but Carl's got uh, 174 ERA, 11 games, 10.1 innings pitched, and uh, eight strikeouts in that in those 10 innings. So he's been effective. Um, I love Carl though. Like, yeah, I want nothing but good things for Carl Edwards Jr. Well, in this team, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say that they're like the Cubs over the last two years, maybe they are kind of like that, you know, where you just like, well, who do we have? Uh, who can we get? Who's on the waiver wire? Oh, we got Frank Schwindel. That's cool. We'll throw him out there. Like Joey Manessis, man. I mean, they, they traded all their stars. They got a bunch of prospects. Josiah Gray came over in the Trey Turner trade. I mean, if they're not all that different from what the Cubs did, they, they traded all their stars at the same time. Uh, they're rebuilding at the same time. They even got an old cup for a manager. Davey Martinez is over there, and I love Davey Martinez. And and they did it right away. And that's the difference between what the Cubs did, which is like kind of let this thing play out with the window and the core and all that stuff, and then Blue Friday. And these guys just won the World Series and did Blue Friday right away. They were like, that's it. We're 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 trading Harper, we're trading Soto. Uh you know, I forget who else they traded, but they traded all their good players. And um, well, they didn't. I don't think they traded Harper. I think Harper hit free agency, but they traded Soto, Trey Turner, oh, right. and Max Scherzer right. for some pretty ridiculous packages. Right, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't get Harper back. In fact, they won the World Series without Harper, didn't they? They yeah, Har yeah Harper was not no, on no. that World Series yeah. team. And in fact, another guy they traded uh, for a nice package was Kyle Schwarber. They traded Kyle Schwarber to the Red Sox uh, during that twenty twenty one run when the Red Sox looked like they were going to threaten for a hot minute. Yeah. And they've got uh, like, they still got one of the old guys that are holdovers from this team, Victor Robles, you know, he's still on the team and old friend Ildemaro Vargas. So Ildemaro Vargas was the player for the Cubs on the team like that, that the Cubs had, you know, like Ildemaro <laughs> is the, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. is your third, second baseman that can maybe play a little short and third and, you know, um, Dom Smith, is on this team from the Mets. And so somebody they, they knew very well, they're like, all right, you come over, play first base, you know? So they have, they have a lot of like B squad 
on this team. And that's why they're in last place. And I don't expect them to do very much. But at some point, when these kind of uh, these prospects start to emerge, especially from the pitching standpoint, um, because that's what they went after with Gore and Gray. And uh, I don't know. They're not good. We should beat them. <laughs> like I, I would agree with that. Let's talk about who's been hot on the Cubs. And, and before we do that, I want to say something unique about this week's hot hitter list. And that is that there are no cold hitters on this week's list. So normally I run just for people's reminders, like the last 14 days, you have to have at least 20 plate appearances. And anybody with at least 20 plate appearances, the cutoff lines are you're a hot hitter. If your WRC plus is over 110, you're a cold hitter. If your WRC plus is under 85. There's nobody with a WRC plus under 85 who has played at least 20 games or 20 plate appearances for the Chicago Cubs in the last two weeks. So that is awesome. And that is not from the Miami times, let me tell you. Um, but the hottest hitters on the Cubs right now are Cody Bellinger, who is slashing 368, 444, 816 with a WRC plus of 226 over the last two weeks. Jan Gomes, who is slashing 364, 400, 576 with a WRC plus of 166. Trey Mancini, who's slashing 324, 390, 514 with a WRC plus of 147. Patrick Wisdom, slashing 244, 320, 600 with a WRC plus of 142. Nico Horner, slashing 322, 349, 492 with a WRC plus of 126. Then everybody else is sort of in the 94 to 107 range. But like you'll sort of take that. There's no cold hitters on this team right now. Great. Now can we win? <laughs> I can't make promises there. Baseball get a baseball, Danny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this... it, it's like, it's like looking at the Pythagorean. Like I saw Bleacher Nation tweeted out today about the Pythagorean theorem that we should actually be, you know, 18 and 11 or something like that. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like that we are two and two and five in one run games. And it does, you're, it doesn't, the, your run differential, your batting average doesn't matter. How many home runs you hit doesn't matter. It only matters if you have more runs at the end of every game than the other team. <laughs> well, look at you making baseball all simple for us. Let's look at the <laughs> Nationals lineup for a second. They do have some cold hitters, but they have three guys who qualify for our hot hitters list. We've got Alex Call, who's their leadoff guy, slashing 306, 419, 417 with a WRC plus of 135. Kiebert Ruiz, their catcher, who's slashing 333, 400, 444 with a WRC plus of 134. And Joey Manessa slashing 347, 360, 449 with a WRC plus of 120 after a pretty slow start for Mr. Manessa. Uh, their cold hitters, by the way, are Dom Smith, who you mentioned before, 231, 302, 333, WRC plus of 75. J. Mark Candelario, 167, 265, 310 with a WRC plus of 57. Luis Garcia, 190, 239, 262 with a WRC plus of 34. Lane Thomas, 147, 256, 147 with a WRC plus of 22. And Stone Garrett, which is an excellent name, but he is not having an excellent time at the plate right now. He is slashing... 130, 167, 130 with a WRC plus of negative 21 over the last two weeks. Yeah. So I always think uh, that it's going to just be opposite. So now the guys that were doing good are going to do bad and all the cold ones are going to turn it around. I uh, mean, that does seem to happen in baseball a lot. Yeah. So I'm just going to, uh, you know, so switch that bet. If you're going to, if you're a betting person, uh, bet on the cold people. <laughs> but don't bet on them because they're on the other team. We don't have any cold people. We just have a cold team. Yeah, I don't really bet all that much. I do um, a little bit of daily fantasy stuff for Tout Wars has a Tout Daily competition, but it's like 
you can pay into a side pot, pot, but basically we're just trying to see who does the best in daily fantasy over the course of a season. Um, and then Crawley got me started on this beat the streak thing where you try to like guess who's going to get a hit, which is apparently super hard. But um, so far I, I'm, I'm three games in and, and I'm, I'm three for three with uh, Wilson Contreras, Alex Verdugo and Xander Bogarts. I, I may just keep running back my favorite Cubs and Red Sox of all time and see how that goes. Yeah, I heard it's nearly impossible. Nobody's done it. Nobody's ever done it. Like, that's crazy to me that nobody's ever done it. Yeah, you, you got to beat Joe DiMaggio's streak by... No, 56. Picking... You're trying to get 56 hits in a row. Yeah. Do you need 57? So you need 50... I, I don't know, Danny. Nobody's going to get that close. Like, I, I can't imagine anybody even gets that close. Yeah, I mean, the odds are pretty bad. I mean, you have to make sure that they're in the lineup that night. And it's just a hit, right? You, they can't just walk. Just a hit. Or, it's yeah. not, yeah, it's not an on-base thing. Not like Nico's on-base streak, which is at 25, by the way. Uh, and Nico Horner's on-base streak, if it were years of age, could legally rent a car with no restrictions right now. Ooh. Um, yeah, unfortunately, he struck out a lot yesterday. Um, and uh, if, if he gets one hit yesterday... When he should have, he did get one hit yesterday, I think. But uh, if he gets, if he got a hit with somebody on base and didn't strike out three times, um, with, leaving four on base, he left more on base than anybody. Then, um, then yeah, that would be a better way to beat the streak if you picked him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nico's a pretty good beat the streak candidate because he is he is getting on base a lot right now. Uh, Danny, if Nico stops striking out and continues his on base streak, where will you be talking about it? Where can people find you? Yeah, at Sunranto on Twitter. Uh, check and check us out Thursday night when we're gonna uh, have the live show for the Sunranto show, and we've got uh, funny comedians Billy Devore and Eric Wheelow coming on to let us know. We're gonna talk a little bit about the NL Central in general on Thursday night. Just kind of look around, see what's happening with all the teams, and uh, how the Cubs are just smack dab in the middle of them. <laughs> It's it's been a really wild start to the season in the NL Central. I don't think anybody had the Pirates went running away with the division with the Cardinals like bringing up the rear, but I, I'm not complaining about that. I mean, obviously, want nothing but bad things um, for the St. Louis Cardinals when it comes to wins and losses. That is, we well, good things for them as people, but bad things for them when it comes for, for to wins and losses. Um, if you are looking for my takes this week, you can find them at, at BCB underscore Sarah. We will be back after four games in the nation's capital to recap everything that happened with this Cubs national series until next time.